0: What's up, Pels fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pelican Debrief Podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. It's been growing steadily, and we really appreciate your support. If you can do even a little bit more, I know you've been hearing all the other podcasts do this same bit, but we really need to go on iTunes, rate us, hit subscribe, tell your friends, retweet, any little bit of support helps. Now, in case you guys don't know, Pelican Debrief is a division of FanSided. This is the ultimate home for fans. And let's face it, you are the ultimate fan, or you definitely would not be listening to me right now. Now, my name is Preston Ellis. You guys can follow me at Preston Ellis. Go, uh, go ahead on Twitter and check that out. And you can follow our site, pelicandebrief.com, or hit us up on Twitter, at Pelican Debrief. And we are led by Commander-in-Chief, Rick Stone. You can follow him at Rick Stone NBA. Shout out to you, Rick. We appreciate all that you do. And uh, hit up the site anyway. We've got a lot of great content, including grades, recaps. We've got some trade options. Uh, I've got a piece up this week on getting to know Jordan Crawford, Instant Grid, So you guys go over there and uh, hit us up and read our stuff. But coming up first, we've got Wilton Jackson, a Pelican Debrief contributor. I got to tell you guys, this is a wonderful interview, and once you hear his resume, you'll really be blown away. You'll fall right off your treadmill or uh, out of your chair, or uh, hopefully pull over your car. I hope you're not driving into oncoming traffic as you listen to this podcast. Stay tuned, you guys. But before we get to that, we've got a little business to attend to first. What happened? Now, yeah, the Pelicans won 123-109 to 109 behind a monstrous second half with the Pelicans scoring 75 points. I know, including 40 in the third, their highest margin of scoring in a quarter to date. Their previous was 36 against the Rockets just a few nights ago, and they almost topped that in the fourth when they scored, and they tacked on another 35, so quite an explosion, and the Timberwolves have been playing excellent defense as of late, especially from the All Star break. But six different Pels scored in double digits tonight. They would not be stopped. Led by AD with 28 points. Jordan Crawford, instant grits with 22, including a couple of bombs from Poitras Now, they were also paced by Etoan Moore with 14, Boogie with 15, Drew with 21, only tur- two turnovers down from his average of six since the break. Solomon Hill had 13 points. The big guy has, going, has been going off for the week of his birthday. He's got double digits in four of the past five games, really been stepping us for us when we needed it most. Um... Now, the Wolves were led by Carl Anthony Towns, AD's old nemesis. He is now 0-5 against the Brow. He played extremely well with 33 points and 5 rebounds. We'll talk a lot more about this later. But they were also paced by Andrew Wiggins with 25 and Shabazz Muhammad with 18. And Rubio led them with 10-14. and 14. The game was over in the fourth when the Wolves pulled as close as two. Before instant grits, like we talked about, pulled away with eight consecutive points, including two threes, um, and then a two coming out of that timeout when we went ahead, 98 to 92. Now the Wolves came out red hot early, shooting 65 percent uh, from the field with 11 assists on 12 made shots, seven of those assists belonging to Ricky Rubio. They were on fire in the first quarter. AD led the Pelts with eight in the first, but. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns would not be denied. He outscored him in the first. The highlight of the quarter, though, belonged would belong to Anthony Davis. He was on the receiving end. Did you guys see this? I'm sure you must have if you're Pelicans fans. This ridiculous reverse alley-oop that DeMarcus Cousins threw to AD the other night against the Trailblazers. Well, if you did... Uh, it's pretty similar play. I'm sure it must be something they're instilling since the All-Star break. We got the exact same version of that, but this time thrown from Etwan Moore, it was beautiful, and just watching the big guy soar through the air like that had another soaring dunk in the third, where Drew Holiday threw the ball up into the Raptors, and somehow AD went up and got it. It was truly just awe-inspiring, but... The Pels got out of the first 34 to 34-28 back on topic. We were lucky enough to keep it that close, the way that the Timberwolves were shooting, like I said, 65%. Uh, but in the, the second, uh, a curious set of uh, options um, with who Alvin Gentry elected to put out on the floor. He had a lineup of Tim Frazier, who was starting in place of uh, shooting guard Wayne Seldon, who is now a Memphis Grizzly. We'll see them on Tuesday. He put him out there with one Moore, Dante Cunningham, Donatas Maniunas, I'm sure I'm butchering that name, and Jordan Crawford. It was curious because, um, obviously, there was no AD Boogie or Drew in that lineup, and they were still going head-to-head with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. So, um, <laughs> in a complete shocker, the Wolves extended their lead at this point, uh, piling out to a 48-37 to uh, lead at the 6-minute mark before uh, Gentry put the big guys back into the game. Crawford ended the 10-0 run at that point with a corner three to send the Pels to a much-needed timeout. Uh, at that point, it was 50-40 to 40 when AD re-entered the game. But the Pels would pull to 54-48 to 48 with a 6-0 run in response to the Wolves' 14-4 run just prior to. The Wolves led by as many as 12 in the period. Ah, and the Pelicans, that's a 26-point swing. It's really incredible. The Pels finished the half with a dreadful 10 turnovers, 8 in the second. Five of these were from our big man, Anthony Davis. You could tell in the first half, um, a lot of spacing errors, a lot of these turnovers, a lot of miscues and uh, miscommunications, but they really got in tune in the second half. Like I said, Drew and A.D. paced the Pels with 10 each in the quarter with contributions from Crawford and Hill and used a 20-6 run to take a 75-69 lead. Then they finished the quarter with the score closely locked at 88-84. to 84. Now, after watching the Wolves in person against the Pels and the Magic in Orlando, I I always caught them uh, seemingly sleepwalking on defense to start the third. I could almost predict whatever the score was. The Wolves would always come out strong, and then would always kind of backpedal once the second half started. And uh, this was no exception. They've been playing great defense lately, having beaten teams like the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Wizards in uh, three of their past ten games. But earlier in the season, 538.com gave them a, a historically bad negative 30 rating for the third quarter earlier in the season. And though Tom Thibodeau has shored up that glitch to an extent, it really glared its ugly head back again tonight. Uh, but that's what happened in the third, 88 to 88-84. In the fourth, the Pels pulled away with a 12-0 run featuring some scoring sprees from uh, Davis Moore and Crawford, which put the game up 114-99 at the conclusion of that run And there was no turning back from there. That was it. With this win, the Pels move to 29-41. The Wolves fall to 28-41. Just another team for us to hop past. We've won four out of five. And with a 3-0 season sweep of the Wolves, their third sweep of the Wolves all time, they now own the tiebreaker. Not that it'll matter. We've still got the uh, trailblazers and the Nuggets to worry about. And uh, speaking of which... We've still got three head-to-head clashes with the Nuggets. The Nuggets are facing the Rockets on Monday, so you'd have to think that we'll be just four games back in Nuggets by Monday night before we play the Grizzlies on Tuesday. And there's still 12 games left. You're saying there's a chance. And now, let's talk a little Pel's Wolves with one of our Pelican Debrief experts. Here comes Wilton Jackson. You guys it's time to phone a friend. All right, and now we welcome onto the program Wilton Jackson. Now, before I get into this, you can follow Wilton at Wilton Reports. That's At Wilton reports and uh, Wilton, if you don't mind, I'm going to gush on you for a second before we get to questions. According to your Twitter, you have previously worked or or spent time or earned credences uh, in some form or other at the Sports Journalism Institute, ESPN, Scripps Howard Foundation Foundation. The Louisiana High School Coaches Association, the Manship uh, School of Mass Communications, the LSU Office of Diversity. You're a digital media reporter for Louisiana High School Coaches Association, Director of Communications, National Board Student Representative for the National Association of Black Journalists. There's so much more here. The founder of the Red Diamond Report, the Garner-Jackson Phi Eta Sigma Scholarship. I'm going on. Wilton. It is an honor, man. This is so cool. Did I miss anything? I mean, you know, with
1: that introduction, I feel like nothing else needs to be said. You didn't (laughs) even have to announce that, man. I'm just glad to be here and talk sports.
0: Oh well I appreciate it so much you taking the time. Thank you so much. And we've got a lot to talk about and celebrate tonight. The Pels won, as I said, 123 to 109. And Wilton, I'm gonna throw it to you. I'm gonna start you out with Solomon Hill. We had six Pels in double digits tonight, but Solomon Hill has been a revelation, a revelation, excuse me, of late, scoring in double digits in four or five games, including thirteen, five, and four tonight on four of eight shooting. Wilton, what is going on? Is this just because it's his the week of his birthday?
1: Well, I, I'm sure he would you know be glad to say you know it, it, it has something to do with his birthday. But I think more importantly, it's just the team coming together. And honestly, like um, obviously with you know Evans and Galloway and Hill going away in the trade, um, somebody had to step up as far as like from a perimeter shooting standpoint. And um, obviously, Simon Hill has definitely stepped up specifically in the last four four to five games. And so if he can continue to do that. Um, I think the Pelicans can definitely still continue to fight for that eighth and final spot in the playoffs because, um, when you look at his work and then the work of, um, each one more and Lauren, Drew Holiday today, um, even though Tim Frazier didn't have but only three points, the thing is he got back in the rotation. And so it kind of all geled together because if you remember, at one point in time, um, Tim Frazier Tim played a huge part in, you know, getting this team together and the pace that the, that the team was running on. And so now with him back on the floor, I like that move, um, uh, of gentry putting him back at point guard to start this game. But then also I feel like the players that were surrounding him, you know, uh pretty much kind of picked up on their injury. And so Solomon Hill can definitely continue to, you know, you know, put in anywhere between ten to fifteen points a game that takes the pressure off of Boogie and Anthony Davis. Um and also Drew Holiday to be able to be the Pelicans' three offensive threats.
0: Definitely, man. We got contributions all around with six different Pells in right. uh, double digits, like I said. But uh, he's really helped open up the floor, really contribute to that spacing that Alvin Gentry is preaching. And uh, going on to talk about the other guys contributing, I'm not going to cover all six of them. But we have got to talk about Jordan Crawford, instant grits, had 22 points in the fourth quarter. It got kind of tight there. We got within two. And then he bombed two threes, it seemed, almost from mid-court. And we've got him locked up for another season. Wilton, how excited are you about Jordan Crawford?
1: And to be honest with you, I'm very excited because if I'm Alvin Gentry at first, I'm asking myself, is he really shooting those three-pointers from near the court? But, no, like, all shows aside, like, he really had an all-around um, good game, specifically from a shooting standpoint. Like, the shots that he took, even though there's some were, you know, much longer than the others, like, he made them and he converted them. But more importantly, he felt confident in doing it. And it's almost like, you know, his, his name, Instant Grits, coming off the bench. Like, he brought that instant offense that the Pelicans desperately needed um, to be able to, you know, finish games. Because one thing about this franchise, like, had, uh, one, thing, one thing about this franchise specifically is um, the has always had trouble finishing games. They would, you know, go through the first two to three quarters, you know, you know, playing any team in the league. But then in the fourth quarter, it would be a meltdown. But now with this instant offense from Crawford and other players surrounding them, and then just like I said, more importantly, the team coming together um, as one with additional parts with um, bringing Anthony, Anthony Davis, you know, jelling together all at one time. It's just a good time to be a Pelican and, you know, a good time to, you know, continue to fight for that eighth spot in the Western Conference.
0: Yeah, totally. And how, how good do you feel about staying on the Pelicans' bandwagon right now? We've won four or five.
1: Right. No, that's really good. I mean, because when you think about it, this run that they're on right now reminds me of the run that they went on towards the end of the season, the end of the 2016 um, part of the season like they were winning like, you know, multiple games and then like the start of the season You know, they, uh, I think they started the season with a loss of then they kind of bounced back But this this winning streak that they're on right now really looks good for them And it reminds me of that streak that they were on because they were clicking on all cylinders They were, you know, um, putting up points offensively. They were playing really good defense The only thing that I would say differently um um, now moving forward, that they need to still tighten up on the perimeter, um, the defense on the um, from the perimeter from the three point line, because um, there were times tonight where well the shots were contested, but I, I think that's one thing that they can continue to um, tighten up on perimeter defense and just defense um, in general. Because the um, Timberwolves, of course, they are Carl Anthony Towns, who's going to get you know he's going to get his production regardless of whoever you put on him, But that's something to tighten up going down the stretch of the season.
0: Definitely. In the first half, the Wolves shot 40% from three. The Pels actually shot 50% as well, but albeit only on 10 shots. But the Wolves did slow down in the second uh, to the tune of 36% overall. We did a much better job slowing them down. And uh, with that being said, I want to talk to you further about what we were talking about winning four out of five. Now, Sporting News uh, reported last week that Alvin Gentry would need to show significant improvement to keep his job. Now, the Pels have won 4-5. and five. We're nothing crazy. We're 29-41. and 41. We're still four games. I'm saying four games back in the Nuggets because I'm just assuming, I'm putting into the universe that the Nuggets uh, are going to lose to the Houston Rockets tomorrow night. Do you agree with that sentiment? I
1: definitely agree with that.
0: Okay, so <laughs> I agree
1: with
0: that. we've won four of five. We're trailing by only four games. We've still got three games left to play. How confident are you? And with these past five games, is this improvement significant enough for you right now, Wilton Jackson, to say Alvin Gentry should come back for the 2017-18 season?
1: I think just off of these, just off the of Pelicans winning the last four, I'm not, I'm not fully confident yet. I feel like if he can win um, the Knicks, maybe eight out, of, eight out of ten, okay, or at least seven out of ten. I think you know then we can start to really consider you know Gentry coming back and um and being the head coach for the Pelicans. But more importantly, I feel like as long as his players continue to play at the level that they played tonight, you know, besides tighten up defensively, I think he has a job for next year. Because, like I said, again, everybody it just seems like, you know, everybody's coming together. Everybody's, you know, learning each other's game and who plays what role for the team. And that's so important going down the stretch of the season because you could have had, you know, a rough start to the beginning of a season, but if you can get hot at the right time, specifically going down the stretch to, you know, fight for a playoff spot, that's, that's exactly what you need. And if you look at it, winning the last four of the five games and now it's mid-March 1 into April, this is the one that the Pelicans need if they want to potentially land that eighth spot in the Western Conference. That's so, again, Anthony Davis, you know, everybody knows that's the major headline. If they can continue to, you know, jab, which they have been, you know, that's going to be something to really look you know, to look forward to. And then the biggest thing after that is, again, the perimeter shooting. Drew Holiday, one Moore, Solomon Hill, um, Jordan Crawford, like, they're going to have to continue to do these things that they did tonight on a consistent basis, night in and night out. Like, I'm sure you know, this scoring has always been a critical thing for um, the Pelicans and their success in winning. So if they want to continue to win and Alvin Gentry wants to continue coaching for the Pelicans, these players have to continue to stay at the level um, that they played tonight, moving forward down the stretch of the season.
0: Definitely, and they did. All those names you just mentioned, I just thought to myself, the past three games, they have all been playing pretty efficiently. Now, before we get to the... The, the the big conversation topic, the AD vs. Towns, the, the rival Kentucky big man. Let's talk about the other Kentucky big man, DeMarcus Cousins, who had a quiet night by his standards. Didn't get into foul trouble, no technicals. I think he finished with 15-11. and 11. I caught him actually in the fourth yelling out at the referee. The microphone must have been pretty close because I could hear him very clearly saying, you see that right, and at the time he had his arm hooked under Gorgie Deng's arm. Um, this was something that happened early on in the fourth, before the game had been decided, uh, having that conversation while the, while the ball was being raced out and transitioned towards the other end. Tell me your thoughts about Boogie Cousins in this era, what you're seeing from him and his performance tonight specifically.
1: I think his performance was really good tonight, despite it being quiet. One thing that I feel like we're starting to see, and I personally have been able to see it in, 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 some of the games, possibly he, you know, had one suspension, but other than that, like. I think we're looking at a Boogie Cousins that, I don't want to use the word maturing, but he's, I feel like, becoming more into his own and finding his way in the Pelicans franchise. So, of course, we know, you know, um, Boogie to be what seems as, well, what people thought that he was a bully in Sacramento and, you know, he was always getting technical fouls. And, of course, you know, he did get technical fouls. But I feel like we're seeing a Boogie that's much more, um, I guess, more mild in terms of his attitude in playing for the Pelicans. So my thing is, when you see him, you know, get a foul, a foul called on him. You know, he's not necessarily getting um, in the ref space as much as he used to. Like he's playing, you know, much more at a at a much more calm pace. So like he may not always have, you know, the highest points percentage, but you know his presence is always going to be built. And I feel like the biggest thing that he can do beyond just his production offensively and defensively is be some sort of a rock for this team with Anthony Davis, because they're going to need him down the stretch. And the one thing that you don't want to do is is, um, limit your potential for the overall team by, you know, doing, um, you know, I guess crazy things to, you know, to limit the potential for the team. So essentially, again, they're going to need him. And I feel like he knows that, you know, they're going to need him. And with him um, playing at the way that he's playing, and keeping his character and his attitude together at the same time, it just means uh, essentially wonderful things for the Pelicans going down the stretch.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, with with that, I wanted to report, uh, or not report myself, but just uh, issue a report that Justin Verrier posted earlier today about Omri Caspi signing with the Wolves today, heading out back to Minnesota on the plane with them. What were your thoughts on that, and is that a complete blunder for Dell Demps missing out on his bird rights, or are you impartial to Omri Caspi? Um,
1: I'm not really impartial to Omri Caspi. I wasn't really... To be honest i wasn't really thrilled when he came over in the trade i was just i was more so like okay here's, here's another guy that's coming along in the trade and i'm sure he could definitely bring some additional offense production particularly from you know from a perimeter standpoint because you know we you know pelicans got rid of their three main scores um but perimeter shooting just offensive in general other than ad at the time so when he came in i was like you know he can give us some prediction but obviously um you know, Dimps and Gentry, they would have to get some other pieces. But with him leaving so soon, it's just kind of like you know, well, what was the point in you know bringing him in? But um, personally, I don't think it'll really just hurt the Pelicans as long as they continue to you know, like I said, play at the level that they're playing. I don't really think that you know it's going to be much of a. I don't think it's going to be much of an issue for them.
0: Yeah, it sounds like uh, he was just part of a salary cap match uh, to make the trade work. Right. It doesn't seem like they had too much interest in uh, keeping him around, but I am very grateful that he didn't uh, suit up tonight and lay 20 points on us in a Wolves victory.
1: Exactly. (laughs) We will will be rethinking this question right now. I
0: know. It's the only thing we'd be talking about tonight is Dell Demps. Now, before I let you go, I love, I always love to save our hero for last. Anthony Davis is now 5-0 against Carl Anthony Towns. Towns had a very respectable 33-6. The two always play well against each other. Talk about the relationship, uh, these two men. Are we seeing, like, the evolution of some kind of... Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, some uh, historic Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan rivalry that's going to follow these guys throughout their career to every time we see these guys play three times this year so far, we are blessed with this electricity between the two. How exciting is it watching the two of them go head to head? And do you think it only gets better from here?
1: And you know, it's it's really exciting because like they're they're bringing their own version of what it means to be an NBA big man today. Like the names you just named, like Leber, Magic Johnson, like those were, you know, people, um, they were big men but they could also do some additional work, you know, whether if it was in the post or you know, they had to you know, you know, uh say pull up jumpers, you know, they just they had all around games, but these two guys at the at the the height that they are six nine, you know, literally almost seven feet. And doing what they're doing and being able to stretch the floor the way that they do, like this is a different evolution of big men. And so knowing that you know, you know both guys, you know coming from um, coming from Kentucky, knowing each other, knowing pretty much each other's tendencies and what they want to do, I think it's always going to be a competitive competition um, between the two. And it's nothing; it's it's really good for the NBA because it gives us a chance to see how far the evolution of big men have come in the league.
0: Definitely. I was really interested in seeing the... uh, DeMarcus Cousins himself has been averaging... I can't remember if it was 27 or 29 points a game against the Wolves this season. But he also always plays well. And I was wondering if the two of them were going to sort of bully Carl Anthony Towns. But it seemed like DeMarcus... Almost took a step back and just let that rivalry ensue. He could he could tell uh, the energy happening between them, and despite the the one inadvertent finger that went into AD's eye in the third quarter uh, from Carl Anthony Towns, right. it's it's really a good natured rivalry. Not a lot of smack talking that we see. Not a lot of um, overly physical uh, basketball. It's just two hard playing, clean guys like going head to head for forty eight minutes uh, three times a year and. Boogie did all the other things, but were you surprised that he didn't try to directly like take over and say, you know what, you two, I'm actually the best big man in this game?
1: I don't, I'm not surprised. I think Boogie felt like, you know, I'm going to let, you know, AD and Car, Car Anthony Towns, you know, go to, you know, battle back and forth. That's going to be for them. And it's more so I just feel like, you know, I don't think, you know, AD and, and Car Anthony Towns, I don't think they're players to really just kind of. You know, they're not the get-in-your-face, you know, talk smack talk in front of each other like that. At least we haven't seen that right now. Now, considering the fact that this was a regular season game as opposed to a playoff game, we haven't seen these two teams match up in the playoffs yet. So that's that's something else to consider. So let's say, for example, maybe not necessarily this year, but maybe in the years to come, as they continue to grow and develop in the league, we may see these two players, you know, things may get a little heated you know, in a playoff matchup because everybody, you know, the ultimate goal is to win a championship. So later on, we may see these players, you know, um, get a little heated or, you know, get a little bit more competitive than what they already are. But I still think even in a playoff match, I still feel like it's going to be, it's going to be friendly competition, but the stakes are a lot higher because we're competing for a championship and
0: not just a, a season series um, of a regular season. Man, wouldn't that be something? Uh we, we get whatever the opposite of being spoiled is watching the New Orleans Pelicans. We don't get to enjoy a whole lot of playoff series. But what do we have to do as fans to get these two teams into the playoffs against each other? I never even thought about watching these guys play seven games in 20 days. And what a thrill that would be to watch on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, really cool. But, Wilton, before I let you go, thank you so much. This has been awesome, dude. You are wonderful. Uh, before I let you go... I'm terrible at math, but I think the Pels have 12 games left. We're back four. We've still got three games against the Nuggets. We've still got a game against the Trailblazers. We move ahead of the Timberwolves in a tiebreaker with this game. How do you see the season ending? With 12 games remaining, back four, where do we go from here? I think as long as, again, it kind of goes back to
1: what I said in the beginning. As long as we continue, the Pelicans continue to play consistently, um, offensively, and you know, and tighten up defensively. I think we have a really good shot in um in getting into the playoffs. One thing to consider right now, like you said, um, Denver's in the HC, and so we play them three more times. If, even if we don't win all three games, it would be good. I feel like if we're gonna, if we really want to fight to get that 8th spot, or if the Pelicans really want to fight to get that 8th spot, they're gonna have to win at least two of those games. To you know, to further kind of solidify, like you know, we're the team we're, we're competing, we're, we're giving it our all. Like you know, we're gonna we're gonna get the a spot. And as long as they do that and continue to again play consistently, you know, find ways to get AD and Boogie, you know, consistent on the floor at the same time. Make sure Drew Holiday is you know leading from the perimeter. Make sure um make sure the other perimeter players, like I said, Drew Holiday, e and West Harlem Hill, they have to continue to provide that production, whether it's ten points. 15 points. At the end of the day, it's a team, and those those that production from each one of those players it all adds up. And again, the biggest thing, if Jordan Crawford, the production that he gave tonight, if he can do that consistently going down the stretch of the season in these last 12 games, and you know, in addition to you know, Boogie and Anthony Davis, I feel like we have a really good shot in, in, in earning that eight spot in the playoffs for the Western Conference.
0: So, what do you think in 12 games, nine and three, eight and four?
1: I think you almost have to go to 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 for sure solidify a spot. I feel like you almost have to go at least seven five or eight four.
0: Okay, now we we face the Memphis Grizzlies on Tuesday. What's your it's prediction for that game? game too. What's that?
1: No, so that would be that. That's going to be a tough game too.
0: It's going to be a home game. What do you think happens? I
1: think. With it being a home game and we are coming off a home win today, I felt like we could. I think we could get another home win against the Clippers. I know they're seventh in the West right now, um, and they're going to be looking to you know continue their streak and and, and hold it on their spot as, as the seventh seed in the Western Conference. But I feel like again, if we could continue to, um, build on our momentum here at home and continue to uh, score offensively and tighten up the defense, you know, not uh, allow too many teams to continue to. Um, enhance that, that their presence in the paint and el- eliminate some of the shooting from the perimeter. I think we have a good chance of winning and beating the group.
0: Wilton Jackson, you guys can follow him at Wilton Reports. That's at Wilton Reports. Thank you so much, Wilton. Come back and see us again soon. This has been awesome. Yes,
1: indeed. Thanks for having me, Preston. You- look forward to speaking with you again.
0: You got it. That's it. You get no more. Thank you all so much again for tuning in and supporting the Pelican Debrief podcast. Now we'll be back with another episode. We won't be gone too long. Capping the matchup with the Grizzlies on Wednesday morning after the Tuesday night contest. Again, you can follow me at Preston Ellis and Pelican Debrief at Pelican Debrief or Pelican Debrief dot com to read our material. Thank you to Wilton again for coming on to the show appreciate it so much you guys thank you you make this possible we love doing it for you if you have any questions or want to submit any questions uh and have them answered on the show please you know what to do have a great night and let's go pelicans